0: Welcome to worship this morning, First Baptist Church. I invite you to stand if you'd like to, and uh, let's pray as we begin. God, I just thank you for this day that you've given us. God, I thank you for an opportunity to gather together, Lord, and to focus on you over this uh, next time that we have. God, I pray that you would be praised this morning, that you would enjoy um what you see, what you hear, and all that we do today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. The song says, He is worthy. Um, he's worthy when it's hard. Um, he's worthy when it's great. He's worthy at all times.
1: blessing and the pain. You are worthy. Whether you say yes or no way, you are worthy. For it all I choose to say, you are worthy. I'll never stop singing your praise. You still deserve it You're worthy, you're worthy You're worthy of my song
0: reading today is out of Luke 24. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. To. Mm-hmm. We're thankful today uh, for, for what you've given for us, God, for how you make a way for us uh, to have a relationship with you, God, to have life, both physically, spiritually, God, you made a way for us. And God, we, uh, we, we want to give ourselves back to you right now, God. We want to draw close to you right now and ask that you'd work in this place. Speak to us now. It's in Jesus' name I pray.
2: Amen. Wow. I tell you what, that was wonderful, wasn't it? Amen. Now, do you guys realize that we've got... I'm going to embarrass this one little girl. I'm going to do it. But we have a piano player, believe it or not, called Emma. You may not see her. I say hello to her every week when I remember her name. But she sits back here. And she's really good, guys. So, you know, amen to that. I bet you can't guess what I'm going to talk about today, right? I mentioned this Sunday school class. I gave him a hint. It's called the resurrection. Okay, so I'm going to get real close to that in just a minute. You know, Linda's on the ball back there. I'm glad because if I had to do the slides and this too, I'd make a mess. But you know what's neat? I've titled this, Why is the Resurrection of Jesus so Important? And we talk about the resurrection all the time. It's part of our life, right? But then the question comes up, why is the resurrection of Jesus so important? And I was thinking about that the last week or two, and I kept thinking about it, thinking about it. Because oftentimes when we think about Easter, we celebrate the resurrection, but then do we think about the resurrection? You know, that's what we're going to... So this morning, I'm hoping to answer some of those questions that you... Now, my Sunday school class was wound up tight this morning. Praise God for that. That is the most questionist bunch I ever met. And I am so glad, because I love questions during that science school class. I feed off of that. And I was losing ultimate control of the class, but it was well worth it. But if you ever wondered about this, I know that we think about the resurrection of Jesus quite often during this time of the year. We have discussions about the resurrection, which we did in our science school class. And especially as far back as the book of Exodus when it all began with a blood sacrifice. Now wait a minute, there wasn't a resurrection yet. But think about this for a second. The blood, now this is one of Joel Fulbright's favorite things too. He's got a couple spots. He loves the, the veil being torn, you know, top to bottom. He loves that. And then number two, he loves the fact that the blood that was put on the door or the mantles, and the, when the blood was shed, the people survived, right? So Jesus was already doing that, technically speaking. Because God and Jesus were all one and the same guys, you know, back then. And I just I wrote that down because I thought, wow, I never thought about that. I really never thought about it. A guy by the name of Dr. David Turner, don't know who the guy is, but I love what he said. He said, the resurrection of Jesus is the heart of the Christian message. Amen. You know, we celebrate this every year, but we talk about it all through the year. And the point is, when we talk about the resurrection, it's important. Now, I give another hint to the class. They they were listening to me all wound up this morning. But I'm going to mention the resurrection a whole bunch because it's important that we hear it because the resurrection of the Lord means something, doesn't it? Paul, a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture regarding his Son, who, as his earthly life, was a descendant of David. Now, that's pretty important too, isn't it? Who, through the Spirit of holiness, was appointed the Son of God in power by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Though we receive grace and apostleship to be called all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake, And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. I mean, you will think about this. Paul wrote down the whole gospel message right there, but sold it to a bunch of others. I got a kick out, because Daniel McClure last week, when he spoke about Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and when he got done, I'm going, wow, I, got, dude, I showed some excitement tonight, just a smidgen. But I, one of the things that he mentioned was Jesus was the fulfillment of God's Word. Another thing was how the Holy Spirit allowed us, both of us last Sunday, to be, I was just excited when Daniel spoke. I took notes. And I thought, man, this is so cool because you can see how the Holy Spirit just works together to bring all these sermons together every week. We've been blessed with some guys that are able to speak every week. And praise God for that. This morning, I'll be giving you five points. I not. I tried to do three again. It don't work. I really did. One time, sometime years ago, I gave eight. So that was just probably not good. But I, I'm keeping it to five because these are the things that I'm thinking about when you think about the resurrection being so important. So I'm going to give five points. You know, just kind of get you going. She's already put one up. Boy, she's fast. But the first one is that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God and the Messiah. And um, that's pretty neat in itself. That's really, and Joseph told me not to mess with this, but I just pulled my ear. But the point is, when you think about this, the resurrection even proved to be very true. And each, Now, each of these points, the hint I gave earlier, I'm going to be mentioning the resurrection through the whole thing. And they're all going to sort of overlap. But when you think about this, gave, Jesus claimed to be the Son of God and the Messiah. In the New Testament, Jesus is recognized as the Son of God. Correct? By the voice which speaks from heaven. Remember what God told him. In Paul's writing, he refers to Jesus descending from King David, but who was the Son of God in the powerful declaration of the Holy Spirit. Then, the Scripture in Romans says, regarding his Son, who as his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the Spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power By his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. You're going to constantly see, you're going to see an overlap continuously of some of the words I'm going to use loosely. There's going to be a constant overlap because I want you to hear each of the points because Jesus, I always, I've, I've learned in the last few weeks that we are not in control. And I've been saying that a lot lately. Jesus is in control, not us. And then once again, I'll be, I kind of jumped the gun on my notes a little but I said I'm going to the word resurrection a lot because the fact is we believe in a resurrected Lord and He's alive. Praise God for that. And you know what? Churches all over the world and the United States, depending on the time zones, some have already jumped the gun. They got to do it yesterday. Some are going to be doing it tomorrow. But this whole 36, 48 hour time frame or whatever that number may be, guess what's happening? They're preaching the gospel about the resurrected Lord. And that's so important. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood. I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod welded by man, with floggings inflicted by Human hands. That's out of Samuel. The verses I'm going to be giving I'm going back and forth Old and New Testament but you're going to see a lot of the verses that I give of the Old Testament are prophesying what's going to take place. Constant. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down for my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down I mean, authority laid down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Now, you guys remember throughout the final, during the ministry of Christ, and especially his final weeks, the Romans and the Jewish leaders were con- constantly trying to take his life. They started out the very first miracle he ever performed and wanted to get rid of him already. And all that, all the stuff that he did, they were constantly, constantly. After him. And they were constantly saying death, 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 death. He healed on the Sabbath. They want to kill him. Ah, that is so weird. Healed on the Sabbath. Oh, he's healed on the Sabbath. Let's take him out. He just healed a person, right? He cut some guys to see. One guy blind to see. One guy couldn't walk. Let's kill him. Hmm. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was He breaking the Sabbath... Oh, there it goes. I forgot about that. Breaking the Sabbath. We've talked about that in my Sunday school class. It's just crazy. But He was even calling God His own Father. Oh no. Making Himself equal with God. Out of John. Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. And now the word Messiah. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary and Martha, of Jesus who is called the Messiah. As spoken in the book of Isaiah, now I'm going to have a book, uh, chapter 53 up a little bit later, but I've got another one here just a minute. Jesus would be born as a Hebrew, He would reign as our Messiah and Lord, although we don't know, we know that that is not what Jews desired. They didn't want Him. For unto us a child is born, Guess where this is? This is in the book of Isaiah, even though it says it again in Matthew. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. And from that time on, and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, I'm going to read this here in just a minute. I found something new. Even though He was called the Anointed One, the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus would not really say that He was. Did He? He didn't say, I am the Messiah. He said, I am the Lord Jesus. I've come to take care of this. I'm the one you seek. I am the answer. The word Messiah was mostly... Are used mostly by the followers of Christ and His disciples. They would constantly call Him Messiah. I've seen the Messiah. Come and see the Messiah. I've witnessed the Messiah. But Jesus didn't call Himself that. But you guys know for a fact that they wanted that monarchy rule. We've used that a lot. They wanted Him to take care of the Roman government, to get them out of there. As you guys know, Jesus said, nope, not doing that. i am come as what? The Savior of the world. That's what I'm doing. In John chapter 1, the first thing Andrew did was to find, a, find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. Once again, the disciples are the ones who use that word loosely. Remember the Samaritan woman at the well? Remember that story. We talked about it a lot. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Once again, the term is used loosely, but you think about what it said. Jesus claimed to be the Son of God and the Messiah. Point two. It proves his sinless character. Now, one of the things that I did this morning, I want to be a little bit different approach, as I mentioned. I want to give several points, but I want to give several points that say who Jesus said he was and why he came. And then, more importantly, the fact that he resurrected. Because we know about the blood, we know about the beatings, we know everything that he, the pain that he took. And you've seen several artist conceptions on that, drawings, everything. But realizing this, that Jesus was fulfilling all of the scripture. And that's kind of the, the route that I'm going this morning. It said that Jesus is completely sinless. He knew no sin, he could not sin. And if he was not sinless, then the sacrifice that he did would be of no value, right? We, on the other hand, are not sinless. Oh, boy. Go back to Genesis chapter 3, right? Adam and Eve disobeyed God by eating the fruit of tree of knowledge of good and evil. Their eyes were open, and guess what happened, guys? We know the story, right? Sin entered into the world. They both died that day, but God had the hand of redemption with them with a blood sacrifice so that they could live on. And I say live on spiritually, although they lived on physically too. But there was a blood sacrifice given. That was the first one. There was another one, as I mentioned, later down the road. Now they did sacrifice all through the Old Testament. But when you get right down to it, when the blood was put on the mantle, that was the redemption of the Israelites when they obeyed God. And we worship the Son of God and that His followers We worship a sinless God. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not know, or we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weaknesses. But we have a one who is tempted in every way just as we are, but yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need out of Hebrews. The other thing too is that Jesus didn't even have the capacity to sin. And I was thinking about, I wrote this note down about 10 minutes ago. Yep, 10 minutes ago. I wrote it down. I was thinking about the temptation of Christ. My mind flashed to that. And I was thinking about how Satan was tempting Christ. You guys know the story. Most of you do. The point is that Satan tempted him several different ways. But yet Jesus did not sin. He ignored it. Someone asked a question one time in my class. I think this if I, can get this... if I can remember this right. Did Satan know everything that God was going to do? Does anybody know the answer to that? No, he did not. Satan did not know everything. God did not reveal everything to Satan. If he would have done that, I don't... Well, Satan probably would have done it anyways. I don't think he would have tried to tempt Christ. But then again... He wanted him to what? Sin. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled the insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he did, made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness, and by his wounds you are healed the sinless the sinless Christ's death on the cross at Calvary paid for the full penalty for the sin of those who believe in him. you know praise God for that. I've often spoke about um Go ahead, Linda. Point number three. I often spoke about the book, chapter of Isaiah. We went through this a year ago in our class and I got so excited because that's the first time that I paid attention. You know, because you often, like there was being alluding to earlier, you know, we we read the Scriptures, but do we pay attention? And the book of Isaiah got me excited. We did this like a year and a half ago. Um, Go ahead and bring up I think do I have chapter fifty three loaded back there? Thank you. I hope you can. Whoa, that's pretty snazzy. And it's big. At least I can read it from here. I want to. I want to read this. It's long, so bear with me because it's worth it. I can do the whole Easter presentation never leave this chapter because of what it's got. It's contains. I got goosebumps again. This is exciting to me. And I put in big print so I can read it there. I who believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord had been revealed. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of the dry ground. He has no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like the one from whom the people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him and punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we were healed. We are all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us turned to our own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. and As a sheep before his shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of this generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave from the wicked with the rich in his death yet he done no violence. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And through the Lord makes his life an offering for sin. We will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And it says that after he suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge and my righteousness will justify many and he will bear our iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils among the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and he was numbered with transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. My goodness, the whole presentation right there in chapter 53 of Isaiah, the whole thing. It says He was despised and rejected by man. He suffered, took our pain. He was crushed. He was oppressed. He was the lamb to the slaughter. It says that He did no violence. But once again, He suffered. But then He was raised again. Verse 11, after He suffered, He will see the light of life and be satisfied. And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Nor was there any deceit in his mouth. That's my point three. I thought about this because Isaiah 53 explains it so well. I can't even think. I thought I was going to put some words of wisdom with that one, but I couldn't because the scripture was there. It proved what he did. It said what was going to happen to him in the Old Testament. Praise God for that. Point four. He triumphs over death. Amen. We've mentioned it several times already this morning. We've talked about it in your Sunday school classes if you were there. We talked about the fact that he triumphs over death. You know what's neat about this? Is it. he was what? Alive. He didn't die again, did he? But you've mentioned it. The Scripture said that if he were to die again, he would just keep dying over and over again. Just you know that would never work. There wouldn't be what we believe in today either, would it? He constantly was alive, alive, alive. But he was resurrected. By the way, I only did it once. Even though I get excited several times. say it. I'm going to slow down. Several times. But think about that, guys. He was resurrected and is very much alive. Amen. He will never die again, but be alive through the power of the resurrection. Now, I had to put this in there. You guys remember the account of Lazarus? Remember him? Very good passage. There's several different things that talk about Lazarus. Lazarus died. Remember the disciples, or Mary, was it Mary and Martha? They got mad, kind of. Lord, if you'd have been here three days ago, he wouldn't have died. They were looking for a miracle. They'd already... Heard or witnessed other miracles that Jesus raised other people from the dead. But they were mad, kind of mad. Not, I don't know, they're kind of mad. But they said, Lord, if you'd have been here before, he wouldn't have died. Well, he could have died. But what did Jesus do? He waited them out, didn't he? Now there's significance about three days. You know, there's all through that, through all through the Bible, New Testament. But yet he waited. The point is, he raised Lazarus from the dead, didn't he? He said, you know, Lazarus, come forth. He didn't say anything else. He just said, Lazarus, come forth, you know. I was kind of showing a group this morning in Sunday school, he's wrapped up in them claws, you know. That's what he's, I don't know. That's what he showed in the movie we saw. But, you know, how did they, because Jesus said, what? Take the stuff off of him? Get the stuff, you know, how did he, I don't even know how he even walked. Because they wrapped him up, like, you know, all the way head to toe. So I don't know. He waddled out there somehow. The point is, you got to see it's pretty comical when you think about it. But and then he said, like, "Get those things off of him." I suspect since he was alive, he was having some problems sucking air. Okay, let's just get real here. But to think about this, the fact is that Lazarus had to die again, didn't he? He he rose him. He was making a point, but he had to go back to the grave. We ourselves, and I mentioned this earlier, my poor class got parts of my sermon this morning, so bear with me, guys. But the Scripture says that we were made from the dirt. We're going to go back to the dirt. And, you know, Pump said, "What are we going to get a new body? Well, yeah, Jesus said we're going to get a new body. What's it going to look like? I don't know. It could look like this. Well, that means you're going to look like me. Okay, never mind. The point is that Jesus is going to say, you're getting a new body. You're going to be resurrected in the end. You're going to be resurrected when I come back for you. The physical form. But yet the fact is that Lazarus had to be, he had to die again. But in scripture tells us many, many times that Jesus didn't have to die again. He did it for every one of us. The scripture says he did it for the whole world. Does that mean the whole world is saved? That would be wonderful if that was true. But he died for those, for you and I. He died for you as a new believer as a born-again Christian. He'd already did that already. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they prepared and went to the tomb. We kind of read this earlier. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in cloths, the other translators say angels, gleamed like lightning, stood before them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their face to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how He told you while you were still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of the sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered His words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene Jonah, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who were told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. If you go back and look at John, I think it's John's account, it's a little bit different interpretation. It says that Mary Magdalene Took the spices, was going to try to get him, get the stinky part covered up early in the morning hours. In fact, it was still dark. The point is that she was there, and then the ones, if you've looked at the John account, there was a lot of running back and forth, you know, just like this, because they were excited. But when you think about this, this is what Easter is really about it's about the resurrected Lord. And praise God for that. So he triumphed over death. Point that point four. Look at what it says. And then, of course, point five. Go ahead. Put that one up, Linda. You're okay. I'm going right to it right now. But it says it here. He gave His life through His love for us. He was delivered over to death for our sins, was raised to life for our justification. The fact is that the love that Jesus showed before He even died. Now, this is neat. I read this account a little bit earlier about the thief on the cross. Jesus on the cross, right? We know that story, right? It always says there's two other thieves with Him. One was bad-mouthing, one was saying, don't do that. But think about this for a second. One of the criminals hung there, hurled insults at Him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Can you imagine? Didn't that what Satan said? Jump off this cliff and save yourself or something like that? Right. There was no coming off the cross for this other man, was there? Both the thieves were up there with him. They can't come off the cross. The guy's helling insults at him. He says, hey, you know, if you say who you are, then come off. I want to see this. By the way, there was no baptism either, was there? There was no way of deliverance except through the belief of the Messiah. And he said, please remember me. Please remember me. His love for the thief was so great that he remembered him before his death, before his resurrection, before his appearance to the people, before his ascension to the Father. That got me excited. I, I listened to some a preacher talking about that a week ago. I mean, you think about this. Jesus died for us. He died for the future. He died for that thief. And the mercy and the love that Jesus shown to him was while he was on the cross next to him. That got me excited. And Jesus said he would die for that thief also. If Christ is in you through the body is dead, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Romans. John said, for God so loved the world. You know what? I have John 3.16 16 in almost every time I preach because it's the whole gospel message. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. So that we come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us, God is love. Whoever abides in love, abides in God, and God abides in Him. Greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friends. The five points I wrote up there, it's kind of neat when you think about it. Because Jesus knew what was going on before He told anybody else. He knew in the Old Testament what was going to take place before anybody else. He claimed to be the Son of God and it was proven. It was proven that He was the Messiah. It was proven that He was sinless. It was proven from the Old Testament prophecies. It was proven from what He said, I will be raised up in the third day. And the fact that He gave His life for us. But more importantly, He resurrected for us. And praise God for that. You too can have the same love from Jesus. He died, but the res- was resurrected for you and for me. We're here to celebrate His resurrection. We're here to celebrate Easter. And that's what it's all about. But think about this for a minute. Um, I should write down my notes a little better. Um, Guys, you want to come up (laughs) for the music? Excuse me. But only through the blood sacrifice was that made possible. Now, I don't know everybody in the auditorium this morning, but I I know most of you. The point is, if you're a born-again believer, then praise God for that. If you want to have a part of Jesus' life, then give your life to Him. Turn yourself over to Him. That's what it's about too. Understanding who Jesus is, but understanding the forgiveness of sins and for what He's done for you. Now, born-again believers, Christians, we still, every once in a while, have to come to the cross and say, Jesus, forgive me. I've I've boo-booed, you know. That's put in layman's terms, right? I've made a mistake. This is open to you this morning as they're playing some music. If you want to come forward, please do so. If you want to have prayer, please do so. If you want to pray where you're at, do so. But more importantly, don't leave today not knowing who Jesus is. Praise God for that.
0: I invite you to stand. Uh, We're going to spend a few moments celebrating uh, what Jesus has done, celebrating the victory that He got.
1: Every war he wages, he will And I'm not backing down from any giant Cause I know how this story ends Yes, I know
0: More song this morning. I hope that you'll uh, join us. He talked about John 3:16, and uh, this is a great song that follows those verses.